You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Bob Budiansky, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Transformers. Now, I'm going to call this, even though this is our third episode, I'm going to call this episode seven so that we can just keep it in line with the the numbering on the, the IDW trade paperbacks that we're following. So this is this is episode I guess technically number seven and eight. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say seven and eight because yeah. we're we're doing parts of both books. Yes, right, exactly. So this is episode seven and eight, covering a period of the Transformers from nineteen eighty seven to nineteen eighty eight, just barely nineteen eighty eight. And I am your host Curtis Findlay, and I am your Transformers host Peter Haw. So we have two miniseries to talk about, and I think. Talking about the way that IDW has packaged these miniseries is something to talk about because they actually take place concurrently to uh, Transformers numbers 24 through 36. Yeah, so they, IDW has decided not to release these in chronological order, but instead have put them into, I guess, sections based on their series, which is, you know, it's got its advantages and also some disadvantages as well. So, like, if you aren't planning on collecting the entire series, or I don't really know, because if you if you uh, if you've only bought the first two volumes and you don't know what's happening in the Transformers story arc, you don't get to find out until the end of the series of books being released. Right. Exactly. So that's unfortunate, but it is weird how they they line it up because Volume Seven has. Only a few, the last few issues of the main series. Then it has the Headmasters miniseries, and it has the movie adaptation. Technically speaking, the G.I. Joe series probably should have been in Volume 7 first. Chronologically, even, those the G.I. Joe miniseries happens before the Headmasters miniseries. The volumes all look roughly the same size. Um, would that... Would that change the size of the book? It wouldn't, because they're both four issues. It's just yeah. swapping four issues, one for the other. Um, but then volume eight is all of the it's the Transformers Universe miniseries, which has all of the character profiles. That takes up the bulk of volume eight. And then they it's like they just tack on G.I. Joe and Transformers at the end, just like as an afterthought. It's like, oh, yeah, we better kind of throw Maybe this Maybe because it's here. the least Transformers out of all of them? <laughs> well, but not even. I mean, some important stuff still happens in that. Yeah. In, that, in both not, of these miniseries, some that's important actually, stuff yeah, happens. I don't, I'm not really sure why they chose to go with that route. Oh, you know what? It might be. It might be because the uh, Volume 8 has character bios for the movie characters as well. And so maybe they wanted the bios to be out after the movie issues came out. Which is in Volume 7. Yeah, uh, that's possible. Be, yeah, I'm trying maybe. to think of a reason why right now. <laughs> but anyway, so when I was uh, thinking about the episode order, I thought that we should, since these miniseries 
relate to the, these these issues that we're talking about, we should stick this episode in here first. Before moving on to Volume 3, we need to talk about these two miniseries. So we have Transformers and G.I. Joe, which takes place... So Transformers, G.I. Joe, numbers 1 to 4, takes place the same time as... They were published the same months as Transformers 24 to 27. This is January to April 1987. And then Headmasters is July 87. And this one was bi-monthly. So it goes from July to January 1988. And it was published at the same time as Transformers numbers 30, 32, 34, and 36. What's really nice is that in Volume 8, where the G.I. Joe uh, issues occur, they have a summary showing date by date what is happening in the G.I. Joe, a real American hero comic, as well as the Transformers and G.I. Joe and the Transformers. So you can keep track of what's happening when, if you're that nitpicky about it. (laughs) There are some great notes in these IDW volumes um, that just kind of go into really big detail. <laughs> the Headmasters one is all about all of the mistakes that they made <laughs> yeah. over and over again. I uh, I enjoy reading these things, but for these two series in particular, uh, I found these uh, these these editorial notes very helpful. They are very helpful, um, yep. especially since I I I don't collect the gi joes so just knowing what's happening in their story arc at the same time is really helpful to have some context so speaking of context what are the things that we need to know before going into either of these miniseries what are the key points so i'll start us off uh we need to know that optimus prime uh died in issue number 23 he didn't die at the beginning beginning of gi okay well that happens during the miniseries right because at the beginning of the gi joe okay, okay so we are talking about the gi joe transformers bit first yes optimus is there at the beginning of the of the miniseries i think right. he dies between between issues the, between there. the first and second issue right? yeah because they're they're running at the same time so the events that happen in the transformers book and they do mention it but it's important to know that uh yeah <laughs> if you didn't listen to the last episode, you got to because Optimus Prime and Megatron were in virtual reality having a battle, and Optimus Prime uh, loses the battle, which means he gets to be killed. <laughs> so he, oh, he man. dies. I, I'm still it's a shaking lo- my head at that one. Yep. And then in the very next issue, Megatron gets super, super depressed <laughs> um, that that Optimus is dead and he has no purpose in life, so he offs himself. So both of those guys are dead. Yeah, both the leaders after their epic showdown, <laughs> which ended up being in a virtual reality showdown, just decide to leave the series once again. I, I, I feel bad for Megatron or Optimus fans out there because they're not in this series a lot <laughs> at all. It's almost like Bob really does not like them. Yeah, it could be. Um, the other thing to know is that in G.I. Joe, Cobra Commander is also dead. Yeah. Like he died, he was presumed dead in issue 50 and then actually dies a few issues later. So he's not in this book either. It's kind of weird that we have a Transformers G.I. Joe miniseries where the leaders of all these guys are not present. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let me get this straight. So Cobra Commander was there in issue one, but he's not later on. So does he die between issues? Or it sounded like he was just in a... See, I'm not following G.I. Joe, so I know Serpentor is in charge right now, but it's almost like Cobra Commander is in charge of a separate group of Cobra. 
well, soldiers. Yeah, and so this is where we fall apart because we haven't been reading the G.I. Joe series. So one of you listeners can probably correct us, but what I, my understanding is that Cobra Commander and Duke were both missing in action. They were on some sort of mission, and they're, they're presumed dead at this point. So we see Cobra Commander in the first issue, but he's not... He's not in the rest he's of it. Not, but he also doesn't interact with any of the other Cobra or anything like that. Um, and then at some point he actually does die, but we don't see him in this series at all. Like he doesn't play a yeah, role. Yeah, he doesn't play a role, which is unfortunate too, because in the couple panels he was there, I read his voice in Starscream's voice. <laughs> so for you listeners out there who are not already aware of this, that the people who animated the original cartoon of Transformers is also the same animation studio that did G.I. Joe. Yeah. I remember as a kid noticing that a lot of the background music was the same in both series. And the guy who does the voice of Starscream does the exact same voice for Cobra Command. <laughs> well, and it's, it just makes it such a natural pairing having a, a miniseries crossover like this. Yeah, it didn't shock me too much when I found out there was a crossover when I, when I was younger and I saw the issues. I'm like, yeah, that, make, that makes sense. Yep. Now, what's funny, though, is that the G.I. Joe miniseries or the G.I. Joe ongoing series never references the Marvel Universe at all. Um, never ever so we have we have a world where the superheroes don't exist but we've seen in transformers that the superheroes do exist spider-man was in one of those issues right what also is weird about this is is that in the time that this crossover series happens the transformers have been on earth for a while seems kind of like a national security threat yet the joes <laughs> They've never, never, never heard, heard of, of the robots. They've never seen the robots. Yeah. You know, I know they're concerned about Cobra, but come on. <laughs> There's giant robots attacking the continental U.S. and no <laughs> one knows what they are. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, Headmasters, I don't think you really need to know anything except the beginning of Headmasters takes place before uh, Cybertron gets the message that Optimus Prime is alive. Because... Fortress Maximus wouldn't have left if he had gotten that message before. But anyway, we can get into that a little bit later as well. Uh, the Headmasters thing is interesting too because there are three different continuities for that. And we'll, we'll get to that when we... <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Let's Headmasters. go into more detail later. Just before we get into the episodes, I have some comments uh, over various social media, I asked people just to give their thoughts about these miniseries. Did they like them? Did they hate them? So over on Twitter, Philip says that he loves the Headmasters to bits. And G.I. Joe is good, though there, there's something a bit off with the art in issue four, if I recall correctly. Causes major, major headaches when paired with the Spider-Man and Savage Land appearances in the early Transformers issues. Um, much prefer the Marvel UK Goldbug origin which I'm not familiar with at all. I am not familiar either, Curtis. So uh, when we get around to reading the UK Transformers, that'll be cool to find out. Um, on Instagram, we had a couple comments. Um, Nightwing PDP says, at the time, people thought these were just side miniseries, but they ended up being very important to the Marvel Transformers saga. Headmasters introduced Fortress Maximus, Scorponok, and other important Transformers to the series, and G.I. Joe and Transformers, of course, featuring Bumblebee's metamorphosis into Goldbug. 
and Long Box Crusade says headmasters were super important and tied right back into the main series. Nebulans played a huge part in the Transformers story. Scorponok, Optimus, huge. So everyone's kind of of the huge, same opi huge. opinion here. <laughs> and then one more comment on uh, Facebook. Kyle says Headmasters was clearly a toy first and then let's design a backstory to it <laughs> because it, some of it is awkward. The basic story of trying to escape the war and making the, making it, or sorry, trying to escape the war and it finding them anyway and making things worse for a peaceful planet is actually a pretty good story. But things like the Target Masters make zero logical sense at all. <laughs> and yeah. I, I will also mention about the Target Masters. As toys, they don't really make any sense either. <laughs> okay. um, and when we get to that part, once again, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Kyle also says, I d also, I didn't notice until now how similar the covers to issue number one are, both robots being clearly dismembered or destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Man, you know, I'm looking at this first issue again, and because it's different because this is inside a a compendium. But if I was getting this issue as a kid, a single issue, and I see Bumblebee being blown away in the very cover. We talked about this before, how the covers in the old days kind of really gave away any <laughs> shocking <laughs> scenes that were supposed to surprise us. It's like, oh. Bumblebee. Yes, but at the same time, it's like, what bumblebee's gonna get destroyed i have to buy this to find out what happens yeah but we but yeah but i think i think the industry's gone in the direction of we don't do that anymore right well the industry's gone in the direction of every cover needs to be a pinup yes uh, that yes. that looks good when you you know slab it and stick it on your wall <laughs> yes that is true that is true i mean it, it oh man that is true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Marvel has all Marvel's done away with text on their covers altogether. DC still does, you know, you know, kind of find out what happens inside, kind of text on the covers. But Marvel yeah, that, is just all like art pieces now. That is true. Yeah, I never even thought about that, and, and, and that kind of just happened, didn't it? I'm trying to think about all the issues I'm getting of new stuff. It is just pinup stuff. Yeah, it's been like that for the last ten years, or maybe even a little longer than that, but. Well, yeah. do you like that or you like this? Oh, I much prefer uh, shock value on the cover. I think it's great. <laughs> like, yeah, give me something on the cover that's going to want to make me uh, buy it. I don't really want to so buy it's like, it. So it's like letting you see the intro and then wondering how it's going to lead up to it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's like, I know this is going to happen, but how is this possible that this is going to happen? I'd rather have that than have a really cool looking wolverine pose on my cover or whatever you know because it's like that doesn't it looks nice doesn't tell me anything about what's on the inside um and i need to i don't want to that it, it makes it a blind buy that way like i i, I don't know uh, i don't know I, I, that's hard because if I, do kids buy comics at the newsstand anymore well there's no such thing as a newsstand so okay sorry <laughs> take that back at the 7-eleven they, they 7-eleven doesn't have comics anymore no 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 yeah it's uh they're no they're, and comics... that's that's part of this is a, a side conversation completely but you can only really find single issue comics like you can find some maybe at like um, a bookstore like Barnes and Noble or up here in Canada at Indigo. Um, 
Very few, though. Not very many at all. This is just to show... When's the last time I walked into a bookstore? Because, yeah, the comic <laughs> section is all graphic novels. I don't think I've it ever is. seen yeah. single issues. It is. The single issues are in the magazine section, and... There might be a spinner rack there, or they might just be on the shelf or whatever. And there's a very, very, very limited selection. The reason why we have covers that are art pieces is because the comic book industry has grown or has aged with the readership. So now we have... So for you young kids out there, if you didn't know, Curtis and I, we used to have this corner store by our elementary school... (laughs) And there was a spinner rack right by the cash register that was for impulse buying. And yep. there were Infinity Gauntlet book three, I remember, was on that spinner rack. And I my head was exploded when I saw that it was like four dollars or something like that. When the, <laughs> when the at the time it was a dollar twenty five for an issue. Anyway, I, sorry, that was a total aside, but yeah, you're right. I don't remember the last time I saw a spinner rack. You've been out of it for too long, Peter. Oh, my goodness. It's it's all gone graphic novels. It has. That's the way the industry goes. And the single issues are still there. You, if you go to the comic book stores, of course, Marvel still publishes like 100 a month or whatever. Um, but they are for an older crowd. They're for our age who still want the single issues, which is why all of the front covers are art pieces rather than something. I guess, I guess we could do a, a complete episode just on the evolution <laughs> yeah. of the comic shop. Probably could. But let's get back to Transformers. Uh, <laughs> tell me about this first issue. What's the title and what is, what happens in it? Uh, the first issue is called Blood on the Tracks. And it <laughs> it is uh, it starts off with what it looks like a big protest in front of a new power facility that's being guarded by the Joes. And uh, yeah, uh, we have a bunch of protesters who are not happy that there's... uh, It appears that the power plant is run through nuclear means, and that's got them really upset. And amongst the protesters... We have the Dreadnoughts. No, sorry, the Dreadnoughts. The Dreadnoughts. The Dreadnoughts. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar with G.I. Joe, so I didn't, I read a couple of the comics, and the ones that I read I really liked. The TV show I did watch, but I wasn't in love with the TV show. It was one of those, oh, it's on, I'll watch it. But when this whole time I'm reading this issue, I'm reading the Dreadnoughts speech bubbles in their accents. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember no. them, Kurt. What are the accents? Okay, so the Dreadnoughts are one of the first characters I remember on TV who spoke with an odd accent. And when I say odd, I mean anything not Canadian. Okay. <laughs> and at the time, I just thought it was, I, I thought it was weird. The only other time I heard someone speaking something kind of like that was on Coronation Street. <laughs> yeah. And as I grew up, I realized they were doing Australian accents because they're an Australian biker gang. Oh, but okay. in retrospect, even though it sounded Australian, I'm not sure how good the Australian actually was. If it was just Americans doing a really bad impression of Australians. <laughs> sure, but sure. anyway. <laughs> I'll have to listen to will find a YouTube clip of that to hear. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, they are like a mercenary group that are hired by Cobra and they're just there to, to cause cause havoc. I, I don't really know what their plan was. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's we- it is weird. I mean, we later find out that they are, you know, they're they're part of Cobra and they're just like the goons that are there to stir up mischief. <laughs> I don't even think, I don't know what their plan was. Like, it, anyway, Optimus sends Bumblebee, who is their scout, who he sends on all these sorts of missions. Um, and he wants them, he wants Bumblebee to go scope out this new power station and just to see 
and make sure the Decepticons aren't going to cause any any problems with it. Um, and the Dreadnoughts are there, and once again, I they, they, they burst in on their motorcycles, and it's just three of them. And I really do not know what their plan was, because they have <laughs> chainsaws, and you know, you got a machine gun, and they're firing lasers, by the way. Just like in the cartoon, they're not actually shooting bullets, it would appear. Well, that would be too dangerous. <laughs> um, and the Joes are there in plain sight. Like, they're not even trying to be stealthy about it. The plan completely falls apart. I'm sorry, Kirk, can you, you read this too. Like, yeah. what, what exactly is the point of this? It, it's just basically an intro. There's really, I don't think that there is a point at all. The fact that he just said that, okay... In the Transformers and in G.I. Joe, it's about war. It's about tactics and about military precision. And I want to point out that even though I love the Transformers and, you know, I'm, I'm okay with G.I. Joe, they never seem to have any tactics <laughs> or <laughs> sound plans. They just seem to do things. And, I mean, I guess that's great for kids who are just playing with action figures, but... Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this is like, let's just pump out the scripts as fast as we can, right? So, <laughs> but I mean, what it does is this gives us, um, especially for us who have been reading Transformers and not G.I. Joe, an introduction to all of the Joes. These guys bust in, uh, rip through the, the chain link fence and cause a ruckus, which causes the Joes to to jump into action, to, to introduce us to each of the characters. So that's kind of what the point is. And Cobra Commander here, oh yeah, he is at the beginning of this issue. That's right. He is actually commanding. They don't make any reference to the fact that he disappears later at all. And in fact, Megatron's in this issue as well, and they don't mention anything about him disappearing either. No. But they do make a big deal about Optimus Prime's disappearance. In the next issue, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me one thing, Kurt? What exactly is this power station? I'm not really okay. sure. I was going to ask that question too. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> I think that the the writers had to come up with a power station, but they weren't sure how it was going to create power. So they just made it look like this big dome with what appears to be folded wings on the side. And they left it purposely vague <laughs> so that later on they could make it do whatever they needed it to do. Yeah. And it well, seemed like they planned it. In the fourth issue they start to explain kind of what its purpose is. And it, it's supposed to be like finding new sources of energy for like, it, it do you has think a they drill. planned that or they just, I don't think so. They were just going to, I think they're just flying by the seat of their <laughs> pants. So Cause too. I'm like, what is, okay. So what does this thing do? doesn't say, doesn't it doesn't say. say at all. It emits energy, but it's like, if it's nuclear, then it's emitting radiation is what it's emitting. <laughs> <laughs> and all these jokes are just kind of standing around it. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so Megatron's big plan is he sends Bombshell, the Insecticon, yeah. who has the ability to uh, to shoot like um, these Cerebro uh, chips into sentient beings and control them. Although he did it to Optimus in uh, the in Volume Two. Yes, but he sends Bombshell to take over the power station's computer with one of these Cerebro chips. Yeah, so they can control the power station. Which he does. He flies in, zaps it, and then now the Decepticons have control of the power station. But but Bombshell notices that um, Bumblebee is there. And so he has to find a way to make sure that Bumblebee is 
occupied so that the Decepticons can get away with the base. Yeah. So he sends one of those little probes into the brain of a small child and causes the child to walk in front of the shuttle. is going to be crushed, and so Bumblebee has to save the child. The Joes think that the robot is attacking, and then they destroy Bumblebee. And therefore leading to the cover of the, of the yes. issue, where we finally get to see why did Bumblebee get blown away by the Joes. Yep, so I think it was. Uh, I think the cover choice is fine. Because we don't know how it's going to happen, and the, the you know Bumblebee being destroyed is at the very end of the issue. Like that is the climax of this issue for sure. And then the Autobots send the Aerial Bots to come and rescue Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's the first issue. A couple of things. Uh, the it, the story is written by Michael Higgins, who wrote a lot of Marvel comics back back then. Uh, he was not the regular writer on either Transformers nor G.I. Joe. So I'm not sure exactly why he was tapped to write this one, but uh, but he was. Um, the artwork is from Herb Trimpey, who's best known for his work on Incredible Hulk in the, the late 60s and most of the 70s. And uh, this artwork is very different than what you see of Herb Trimpey in the 70s. And he's an, art, he's an artist that kind of evolved with the time and he kind of adapted his own art style to suit the period of time. So the, this art looks very 80s, whereas his 70s art was very distinct for its time um, in the 70s as well. And then once he gets to the 90s, he looks like a Rob Liefeld imitator, which doesn't go over well with the fans. The story of this the small child is my favorite part of this whole miniseries it got really dark at one point yeah <laughs> but i like how it's just everything that's happening to him is behind the scenes but it's actually the pivotal thing that brings the whole operation to a standstill at the very end of the storyline is what happens to this kid so i really like that that whole yeah. thing coming together i like actually that. thought it was going to be a one-off thing just for that first issue but yeah they carried it the whole way through yeah just little bits a couple panels here and there talking about the kid yeah, I thought it was very, very well done. The rest of the story is like, eh, there's a lot of weird things going on here, but I like the, the kid. One more thing about uh, Herb Trimpey's art here. Go to page 243. They make a note of this in the the editor's notes. Oh, the uh, The eyes the on eyes. Bumblebee's windshield. I found that very interesting That because um, like, how do you con- convey emotion with a from a transformer when they're in vehicle mode you can barely do it when they're in robot mode so i guess they just put and the eyes it's not like distinct eyes it's kind of like it they still looks like a reflection kind of on the windshield and stuff it's very subtle but it conveys exactly what bumblebee is feeling at this moment so i thought that was an interesting choice you don't see it happen at all through the rest of the book but that was just the way it happened there they sort of did that with the Ironhide toy. Oh, yeah. Really? The original Ironhide toy that had no head. Uh, in the artwork on the box, there is sort of like shaded eyes on the windshield. <laughs> okay. It, yeah. Okay, moving on to number two. This one's called Power Struggle. I love the splash page. Just of Superion. Uh, really, really huge. Uh, it's a good, a good one. You can feel the like the height of this character because the Joes are really, really small at the bottom there. Although I think, I think he should be bigger. Yeah, he should be maybe a little bit bigger. 
are we really going to talk about scale, Curtis? <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> scale, <laughs> scale the losing battle the minute you start talking about Transformers. Um, I'm looking at the cover as well, and uh, there's Bumblebee in the uh, upper left-hand corner, and apparently the most popular G.I. Joe of all time, Snake Eyes, which, if I recall, was an afterthought when they made the action figures. They just took a regular Joe and painted it black to have another <laughs> figure in the line, and it ended up being the most popular G.I. Joe well, character. He looks pretty cool. <laughs> I, I like Snake Eyes. <laughs> yeah, this issue, the, the Decepticons get away with the power station, and... Superion but, is fighting the Joes because the Joes just blew away Bumblebee. Well, when they blew him away too, it was it was pretty graphic. Like you saw him fly apart in pieces. Yeah, but uh, Superion's fighting them, and it, it it's the typical oh the the two protagonist characters have a misunderstanding and are fighting each other. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did like about this Kurt is that uh, Blaster is sort of in charge here right now that uh, optimus prime is gone optimus died in between issues yeah they make a reference to that um at one point oh yeah superion at the very beginning is called away because blaster says all autobots are ordered to return to the ark at once because optimus prime is dead so, so that's why superion leaves the battle i thought that was an interesting choice to really tightly connect this into regular continuity like this. Yeah, usually these crossovers don't do too much of that because they want to do their own thing, but no, kudos to them. Yeah, and then in the next page you see Megatron, who's in his funk, like we were talking about, he's in his depressed state. This is at the bottom of page 257. So he is, um, it's a reference to what's happening in his story as well, which is the, the following issue. Um, number 24, I think. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out exactly what's happening with the Joes here. Okay, in issue one, when we saw Cobra Commander, there is Sepentor, Dr. Mindbender, and the Baron is all on that same panel with them. Yep. And in this issue, it's all the same characters again, sans Cobra Commander. So he wasn't in a different faction. He literally disappeared between That's this true. issue and the next issue. He, he absolutely did. And, and there is no reference to what happened to him, is there? The same with Megatron. Megatron's talking to to Shockwave in this one issue, and then in the next one, Shockwave's just kind of in charge. He there's no mention of where Megatron has gone. Doctor Mindbender has a special helmet that allows him to tune into proper frequencies and control the uh, the hijacked power station that's being controlled by Bombshell, and they are gonna the the Cobra also has a vested interest in this power station. And so the Decepticons want it, and the and Cobra wants it. Although right now Cobra is the one who are in control, and the boy who was controlled in the first issue, his story continues in this issue, issue like you said, um, and he's almost catatonic. Yeah, it's interesting. His brain is just kind of in standby mode or something like that because he has no orders. A difference between this and the television show is that in the television show, when Bombshell shoots uh, a mind-controlling um, thing on you, it's just like a, a disc that sticks to your forehead. It's quite large. But in this, in the in the comic book inca incarnation, it looks like it's a microscopic, almost like an insect that goes into your head. Like a parasite just, or something. Yeah, some kind of parasite. Instead of actually sticking to your forehead. Yeah. This one seems a lot more icky. Well, this one, you got drills that bores right into your into your brain. 
Did you notice on page 262 that the kid is holding a Bumblebee action figure? Yes, I did uh, notice that. I don't. <laughs> the Joes don't know about the Transformers, but the toy companies know yeah. about Transformers. The, the toys companies, they will get you. <laughs> they, they will find you before the government-funded <laughs> military will. I, I, when I first read this, I didn't realize that the boy was the same boy because he has black hair in this issue, whereas he had red hair in the last one. So there's a big mistake there. I think we can move on to number three. Um, oh, yeah, Blackrock is in this issue. I forgot uh, in issue number two. He's on a, a cruise ship with a whole bunch of bikini girls. He, he looks like... Um, per, uh, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. <laughs> yeah, because he's got the um, the mustache. And he's got the Hawaiian shirt. And he knows all about the Transformers. So the Transformers, like, obviously, I mean, we already knew that this took place long after the Autobots and Decepticons have already arrived on Earth. BlackRock already knows who they are. The Joes have no idea what they're dealing with. (laughs) Yep. Issue number three is called Ashes, Ashes. Uh, And I like this cover. Uh, with shockwave, yep, it's a good cover with a, a good mix of all of the characters here. I don't know who does the art on it, but it's I don't think it's the same guy. But in this issue, the Decepticons reveal their plan to use the uh, power station Alpha to destroy the Earth. Like they're going to literally burrow into the middle of the Earth and cause earthquakes to shatter cities, melt the polarized caps to flood the other ones, and you know all this kind of stuff because. Apparently, that's what this power station can do. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things it can do. I still don't know what, exactly what this power station does to generate power. Yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, it's it basically getting it in all sorts of ways. So thermal energy and so on. And, and I guess it can do it at varying levels. And if you, I guess if you have it go into the red, it can cause destruction. <laughs> So anyway, the the uh, Cobra people, uh, I guess they form an alliance with the Decepticons, um, but then they also realize what the Decepticons are going to do, destroy the planet, and so they decide that they need to stop the Decepticons from doing this. And I love the scene where Serpentor and... Serpentor, Curtis. Or Serpentor. Serpentor. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were a G.I. Joe guy. No. <laughs> Serpentor. Did you did you ever watch GI Joe? You know, I've tried to watch GI Joe. It's just not my thing. It's and I even bought some of the DVDs recently. Well, not recently, like when they came out. Have you ever seen the movie? Not 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 the live action movie. The the cartoon movie from the eighties. No. Okay, so just just so you know, it's actually a good movie. Okay. It came out after the Transformers movie, and like the Transformers movie, they were going to kill a major <laughs> character. They were going to kill yeah. Duke. Duke is like one of the the main uh, Joes. Yeah, and uh, just like the Transformers movie, there it was more violent. It had some really graphic scenes um, involving people, and uh, it was actually a really well done movie. Now, when the Transformers killed Optimus Prime in the cartoon, that caused such a huge backlash that no one had anticipated. They know now, like that was a big mistake to do that. So. The, the Transformers movie did not do as well in the theaters as they had hoped. And so because of that, the G.I. Joe movie, which was supposed to be in theaters, got put into a straight-to-VHS oh, yeah. uh, release. Yeah. And they changed it because instead of killing Duke, because killing Optimus was such a bad idea, they just really wounded Duke. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll check that out. I do. Like, but no, but that said, if you if you never seen, if you weren't a fan of GI Joe, you should watch the movie. It's okay. got higher quality animation and it's got some really neat stuff in it. Well, I do. I am a fan. I'm a fan of 80s cartoons, so I have nothing against poor quality animation. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, if you if you can invest, it, trust me, Kurt. I've tried watching GI Joe. To this day, I can't really watch GI Joe. Like I I I can a couple of episodes here and there. But the movie, the movie's actually good. You okay, can watch the movie on it. I'll own. check it out then. I'll take your word for it. Okay, back to this one. Um, oh yeah, so Serpentor and Doctor Mindbender. I love that name, Doctor Mindbender. You know, as a kid, I didn't realize how hokey this is. Would you really follow in an army a leader who's dressed like a giant snake, or you know, the mad scientist who's got no shirt on, who's wearing a cape? I don't know. This is <laughs> questions. Questions. I. I guess it depends on how much they're paying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is like Adam West level cheese. Like, okay, anyway. It's one thing that you can have robots, like the Transformers can look absolutely ridiculous they, because yeah. they're robots. They're robots. But these ones are people. But you have people, it, it's such an odd mix because you have Serpentor who looks ridiculous, but then you have Baroness who looks completely normal. Yep, yep, yep. Destro, same thing. I mean, okay. They have to be colorful. I mean, the original G.I. Joe was just basically a Barbie Ken doll yeah. in fatigues. There was nothing outrageous about them. It wasn't until the 80s that they got these ridiculous costumes. Right. Yeah. So Well, because they want you to buy um, all of them. So they have to look different. They had to look different. You can't just, no, fair look, enough. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 <laughs> but when you look at the comics like this, and they're being serious in this, and I'm just looking at like page... 282, I'm looking at Serpentor. He's like the big cheese, the scary guy. (laughs) And like, if I saw him, I don't think I'd be really scared. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Uh, We have the funeral scene for Optimus Prime in this issue. Okay, so here's one thing I also want to talk about the funeral scene. It's a funeral for Optimus Prime. They're about to launch his body into space at the end of the issue in the editorial notes. They mentioned that in this panel... In the funeral attendance, in the shadow, you see both versions of Jetfire. You see the cartoon in, uh, incarnation as well as the original Macross Valkyrie toy incarnation. And I stared at this panel for probably 15 minutes. I could see the the Skyfire toy from the cartoon, but I could not f- pick out the, the Jetfire, the Macross robot. And I'm just wondering now if this is one of those things where they they edit it in post and they cut them out because I cannot find. Well, him. then the editorial note shouldn't have been there. Like that wouldn't make sense to put the editorial note there. So who are these other characters then who are in this panel? You can't tell. I mean, I, I can see I can see Skyfire and everything else is vague. But trust me, I would know Skyfire. I, I would know Jetfire <laughs> okay. if I saw him. <laughs> huh. Well, so I was just wondering if that was a mistake in the editorial part or if the drawing just doesn't look like him and I'm missing it or if they completely erased him from the scene altogether because of copyright issues. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I really like how blaster is in this, in these issues just because blaster as, as, as per our episode two, I, I loved blaster story arc and Me I too. wanted more of him and there is not a lot of opportunities for him in this, in this comic series. But did he, 
I don't remember him actually meeting up with the Autobots in Volume 2. No, that's the other thing about this too. There are some characters in here that I think are not supposed to be in here. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. I don't think Blaster is out yet. He was, wasn't he mounted on Circuit Breaker's yeah. trophy case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, him and all of the other Autobots that came through the Space Bridge. Because this is happening at the same time as some of the issues in Volume 3, unless that happens in those early issues of Volume 3 uh, that we haven't read yet. I'm not sure. I mean, you've read all of these ones. Nope, he's back by then. Never okay. Mind. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Um, and I just I just found that some of Herb Trimpey's layout choices were really, really suspect here. We have this scene where um, Barbara is going to is meeting someone for tea at this French restaurant and you only see the person's hand or their shoulder or whatever and Barbara's talking to this person furiously like she's really angry at this person and then you have a page with nine panels and in the seventh panel it's revealed that it's Baroness that should have been like the last panel or better next yet page. the next, next page. page it would have been even better but it's it's just um it's ruined because your eye can see the entire page, and and it, so there's no surprise. There, yeah, that yes, I agree with that completely. I'm like, okay, because yeah, I mean, you turn the page, the first thing you see is the Baroness there. Yeah, so you already know who she's going to be talking to. I mean, that's not it lessens the effect. Yeah, so I just thought that that was kind of a bad move. They could have pushed that to the next one, and because there's some really big panels on the next page, even they could have shortened up a little bit there. And uh, there, there's a few instances in this book where there are things like that where, where it could have been laid out a little bit better. Here comes a problem: we've got Transformers fighting humans. Yeah. So um, we've got Omega Supreme fighting a squadron of Cobra fighters, and of course he's wrecking them. Um, are we really going to do that whole, oh, they bailed out just in time for like <laughs> they 50 fall, Or they planes? fall in water. <laughs> or, or, like, <laughs> they fall in the ocean. I mean, this is the 80s. We have the A-team. I guess it's possible that, that that's what they intended, but like really? Well, we see that in the middle panel. Uh, I know. That one <laughs> <bailed> panel. <out. laughs> like, I guess you can't do that over and over again, but I guess that's what must have happened right i love it i love just like in those 80s cartoons when this yeah you just see the small parachute in the i background. never <laughs> noticed as a kid that no one died in the a-team yeah i never got that <laughs> until people made fun of it later on molder oh my goodness you're right they never actually shot anybody no they wasted so much ammo people <laughs> always climbed out there was a lot of jumping but no one actually got shot and died like unless it was a major significant plot point and everyone's like whoa 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 <laughs> hold on a second what are we doing here then the entire a team has to go in therapy or something <laughs> at the very end of this issue well not at the very end but we find out that cobra has decides to team up with the joes and the transformers when they realize that the the decepticons ultimate plan is going to destroy the planet and cobra doesn't want the planet destroyed which kind of puts them in a good light i mean obviously they want to take over the world they don't want the world destroyed right well so they die as well they die as well but they obviously have so is that one of more of a their intentions align with everybody else or do you think they're actually being heroic oh they're just saving their butts i don't think that they're being purposely heroic 
no one wants to die, so all the people who don't want to die are banding together here, right? And I, I actually was uh, surprised by that. I totally didn't think that yeah. Cobra was going to side with the good guys in order to take down the Decepticons. I thought it was. I thought gonna it was going to. I yeah, thought it was going to be a to Cobra end. and Decepticon yep. versus Autobot for sure. Joe, and then at the last second they might backstab each other, but not a straight up alliance that soon. Yeah. Like, not, you know, this is like... This is the third issue still, yeah. I mean, granted, there's only four issues, so if they were going to do it, it would make sense to do it now. Right. But uh, but it's still a good move. I thought it was a nice twist. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. And that uh, boy who had uh, uh, Bombshell's controlling chip in his brain has it removed via surgery. And they don't, they don't play this one for laughs at all. It's quite serious. The doctor even mentions that he might not be the same when they remove it from him. And uh, he has brain surgery, removes it. And that actually ends up being kind of an important thing because the doctor notices that when you mess around with this uh, chip that's been removed from the kid's brain, it actually affects Bombshell. That seems like sort of a, a bad thing to program into. <laughs> yeah, I, that never, ever happened in the show. And I'm looking at it now I'm like, that is a terrible design flaw. Yes. <laughs> like, you're shooting these things into all sorts of people if they get a hold of it and they can mess you up i I don't know if you'd really want to use that anyway the doctor messes around with it and starts messing around with bombshell yeah the other thing is that um whatever this guy its name is hawk finds out that um barbara is a traitor and there's a good amount of melodrama there and bumblebee uh is alive they figure a way to to restore his brain so they need to stick it into a body of some sort and that all leads us into the next issue here gi joe and the transformers number four which is called i'll fall down this is the best cover out of the four i really like this cover looks pretty good yep um (laughs) i don't know blaster looks kind of derpy there uh, oh yeah look at that he's a he's really smart. he looks like a gobot he does look like a gobot <laughs> oh i was so happy so apparently in the blu-ray release of uh, bumblebee the movie there's a part where they cut out the movie but they're putting it back in it's a deleted scene where like the the, the 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 love interest asks the main character do you think he's a gobot? <laughs> and she's like, he's not a gobot. <laughs> Gobots have it so bad. They are the butt of uh, like a ton of jokes in the yeah, community. For sure. <laughs> did you ever read did you ever read Twisted Toy Fair? Um, not regularly, but I've seen a bunch of them. I yeah. have the compilations. Yeah. And there was one ep uh, one uh one story arc where I guess uh Transformers are in the in the in the comic. They, so they have the little Transformer toys in the comic. Yeah. And all of a sudden, one of the characters is like, these Transformers look weird. No wonder, they're crappy GoBots. <laughs> and they start crushing them. <laughs> anyway. Wait, was, there ever, did, was there ever a GoBots comic book? Uh, I'm sure there I, was. There were, there were those old golden books. Do you remember the, like, like the picture books for kids? Yeah. That was, I don't remember there being a comic. But I, remember I wonder was... if there was. I wonder if Marvel did it because that would be. If Marvel did it, we can cover it on our podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I want to, man. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. Gobots. I'm gonna look it up. Gobots comic. It can't be. I really hope not. Well, IDW is currently publishing Gobots Actually, comics I because so, I think because they're... Hasbro. Hasbro hired Marvel to do this. Why would they? Why would they also? There's a, they're an arms dealership. Then if they did that, 
It's like, yes, we'll provide comics for you. We'll also <laughs> provide comics for your enemies. <laughs> well, isn't GoBots owned by Hasbro now? Like they're all owned. They're all owned is by. It? I think so. No, no, because GoBots is owned by they. They the the GoBots toys were made by Bandai, and Bandai is a competitor to, to Takara. No, but um, oh, they were Tonka. Tonka's GoBots became the intellectual property of Hasbro after their buyout. What? So they are Transformers no. and GoBots are in the same universe. No. <laughs> That, that makes sense because IDW is spending a whole lot of time and energy right now creating a shared universe for all of the Hasbro properties, including G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, GoBots, ROM. In one, in one universe? Yeah, yeah. It's all a huge shared universe. It's in the modern comics right now. Micronauts, that's another one. They're all part of the same, the same thing. That's pretty cool. Okay, so here's the thing. So Hasbro now owns the fictional side of the property of GoBots. But the actual toys and their likenesses were only licensed from Bandai in the 80s, were not covered by the Tonka acquisition, and are not available for Hasbro use. So what does that mean? That means that that means they can't they can use GoBots, they just can't use drawings based on the original toys? Uh I don't know, maybe. <laughs> anyway, whatever. We're getting off on some pretty Sorry. bad tangents here. <laughs> if, if, if GoBots ends up being in a shared universe, I really hope it's like a half page. Or no, a full page of just Transformers teaming up, Autobot, Decepticon versus the GoBots, and just destroying them. <laughs> just wrecking them. They were terrible. Oh, goodness. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, let's. Uh, that'll be a conversation for another time. So uh, I also found out that there were no GoBots comic books in the 80s, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about ever talking about GoBots ever excellent, again. Excellent, excellent. Everybody on this pod- who listening to this episode is like, get on with the conversation already, guys. <laughs> okay, so we... Uh, we have the the uh, power station being controlled by the Decepticons now, wrecking all sorts of havoc. The Joes show up, and they are about to. So, the the plan... I was right. There was a couple of things that didn't make any sense. So, uh, towards first of all, we have Bumblebee in his new form, Goldbug. Yep, uh, he's been rebuilt by okay mainframe. By mainframe, actually, he did a really bad one job, of the, of it, one and of then the Ratchet shows. kind of finished off the uh, the job, yeah. and rebuilt Bumblebee. So now Bumblebee is Goldbug, um, which is funny. He says, um, "What is what is the line here? From now on, I'd like a name with a little bit more dignity, one that may re- result in a little bit more respect, <laughs> a little more respect. From ne- from this day forward, I'll be known as Goldbug. You really think Goldbug will give him more respect than Bumblebee?" Well, if I am a kid buying a toy, I I want to feel vindicated, validated for buying <laughs> Goldbug. Um, at this point, so Bumblebee was a very popular character. Yeah, one of the most popular character. Well, we know now he's still one of the most popular characters. He has ever. his own solo movie. Yes, he was a tiny toy. Was he popular because he was so small and he was so cheap that you could buy him? easily yes he he was one of the mini bots probably sold they, way more units more units um and because he was in the original lineup it was hard to get him at this point of the toy run and so as if they had made more of him he probably wouldn't have sold so uh what they did was they had turned him into a throttle bot which is a pullback transformer with a really oh, simple yeah. design nice and they 
they call him Goldbug. And they just said that he's basically Bumblebee, so kids would still want to buy him because he's still the same character, just albeit in a different form. Okay. This, uh, I think we mentioned last time, this is a... This is an idea that they kind of carry on in later series when they have smaller casts, when they want to sell lots of toys, but there's a limited number of characters. They just yeah. repackage the same character and right. give them a new body, but it's the same character. So you, you still want to buy them because they're the same guy you love, but in a different body. Yeah, so the Autobots and the Decept... Sorry, the Autobots, the Joes, and the... Cobra. Cobra. They team up to fight the Decepticons. <laughs> I love it. So they have to... Uh, one one team is going to plant bombs on the nuclear station and to blow it up. It's like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> You're going to blow up a nuclear power plant. And then the other team is going to send all of their forces over to the Decepticons base um, where they, uh, in order to create a diversion. And that's where they find the, the uh, Constructicons. So, of course, we can't have a Transformers miniseries without the massive Combiner robot. So, we have Combiner Devastator and Combiner Superion going at it. Oh, and also, the Seekers are here. Even though a bunch of them were destroyed by Omega Supreme. Whoops. They're they're in this issue. That's okay. Yep. (laughs) Hey, when I'm reading this, right, the, the team that's sent to destroy the power station is Bumblebee, Scarlet, and the Baroness. Yes. They put both girls together. Do you think that's a there's a reason for that? Um no. Other than just fan service? No. Well, no, I think it's um usually in the eighties you'd see they pair up the, the their, opposite their counterpoints. Yeah, the counterpoints together. And so Baroness and, and Scarlet are the counterpoints for sure. No, I was not satisfied with this ending. It was um it was just kind of dumb. And okay, so the last little bit it was very confusing. So the last page of this, Barbara is being taken away because she's a traitor, taken away by the authorities. And then there's this, the, the three panels with the scope, like trying to find the target. And then the crack of the bullet and Barbara is killed by a sniper. I thought the artwork makes it seem like Baroness was the sniper. And was taking care of loose ends because she excuses herself and has to take care of business a couple pages earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And but then the the text says he shot her. Uh, in the third to last panel on that page, on page three twenty five, and I mean she's be- it shows also that she's behind glass, so she couldn't have shot somebody otherwise the glass would be broken. So, who who was it that shot? Barbara. I thought it was the Baroness. And I was confused by that as well. And the speech bubble is coming away from the two guys who were escorting her. So was that... Was that... Oh, or, oh okay, actually, okay. So here, this um, this picture, the guy's in blue in the third to last panel. This guy, you can see the gun on the ground. And the police are wrestling him to the ground. So this guy... Oh. This guy is the shooter. Oh. And so it's probably Hawk who's saying he shot her from off panel. Oh, I see. When I first saw this on uh, I, at that lower left panel, I thought it was the two escorts holding Barbara's that's what body I, That's what I thought so as well. I'm just realizing now that that's probably the shooter 
uh, whoever the shooter is. Like, we don't... That makes no sense that? because he's got a scope, but in the picture where they're wrestling him, he's holding a handgun. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> a handgun with a scope. That's confusing. And besides, uh, from what we can tell, Baroness is behind glass. Yeah. She wouldn't have shot her. And plus, she's right there. <laughs> why would you, why would you use a scope? Usually, you're like a mile away. Right, like, yeah, right there. Where the guys, the guards can just grab you right away. <laughs> <laughs> but um, unless unless Baroness is using the scope and is about to shoot Barbara, and then someone else does it for her, and that would make sense with the last line she says, "One less loose end to deal with." Because she didn't have to do it. Oh, that's possible. But then who, but then who, who is shot this her? guy? Who shot her? It comes out of nowhere. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it was the kid who had a brain surgery. <laughs> the do- the doc said he wouldn't actually, come back the actually, same. <laughs> which, which actually wouldn't make sense for so many reasons. Okay, never mind. I, I don't know. Okay, Kurt, I I never read these issues before like a few weeks ago. Okay. And so, as a kid, I, I was not interested yeah. in reading them now. And so, I'm reading this You, with you fresh only eyes. bought this collection because it was the eighth volume of the set? Oh, that, to... the fact that there was the specs in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, no, no. <laughs> it's it, it's it, not a it, great it, miniseries. No, I... It no. has some aspects that are, are good. Like I said, I like the little kid sub- subplot and how that tied into the larger story without people really knowing it. Um, and, and in fact, was the reason for everybody's downfall in the end. Um, but other than that, there's just so much ridiculousness here that it's just I don't not like good. it. Yeah. I just, I just nope. don't. If, if, you, if you had Transformers and G.I. Joes, this is an excuse to play to play them all together in, in one massive battle. Yeah. But other than that, nope. <laughs> Not feeling <laughs> yeah. it. Well, there we go. That's that miniseries. Shall we move on to Headmasters? Okay, that one I'm actually more keen on. Yes, me too. Um, although there is some ridiculousness in here too, but um, overall, it's a much better story. Uh, the concept is fantastic. Really? What? Which part? Um, the concept of going to a peaceful planet and completely destroying that civilization. Isn't that what Transformers just do? <laughs> Maybe, I guess like, so. Like, we talked about this last time. I think they're they're poison, no matter where they go. Because remember, um, we were talking about Circuit Breaker, and oh, what was it? We said in, this very, in the very first issue, she said she can't discern between the two factions. Right. And then you said that if there were no Decepticons, everything would be fine. And I'm like, maybe if there are no Transformers, everything would be fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like the tra- like Autobots. I mean, as good as they are, if they didn't, if Transformers didn't exist, there would be no problems at all. Right. But the difference is that them coming to Earth, Earth is not a peaceful place. So introducing that element of chaos is not as huge of a deal as disrupting a planet that's been peaceful for over 10,000 years. They say 10,000 years here. That said, okay, w- w- let's get into this. Okay. L- let's, let's talk about sure. this. Oh, and first of all, just so you know, we already know that the comics continuity of the Transformers is different from the television show of Transformers. Right. This is where it diverges in three different places. We have the comic book Headmasters, we have the television show, which splits itself into two different continuities. 
So there's okay. actually three continuities of, of headmasters. But let's start with this one, and I'll, I'll, t- I'll fill you in on the other ones after. Well, tell me about the toys. Okay. So I remember when this gimmick first came out, it didn't really make much sense to me. But the idea is that you would have uh, these medium-sized transformers where the heads could be removed, and they could transform into miniature robots. And when you transform the, the main bodies, they would transform into vehicles. And then the little heads that turn into miniature robots, they could sit inside cockpits and pilot the vehicles. Okay. Um, like um, Power Rangers? Yeah, like Power Rangers, like Power Rangers. And that sort of, that, see, that, that part sort of makes sense because then you'd have a person driving the vehicle yeah. and then you'd have the head. This is where the comment earlier about the Target Masters not making any sense is something I totally understand as a kid playing with the toys because you see a target master is a miniature robot that turns into a weapon. And so uh, when the robot is in robot, so he's not a headmaster, it's just a regular transformer, his, his gun can turn into a miniature person. I don't understand what the point of that is because <laughs> if they are in robot form, they're pretty much useless. Unless the uh, transformer picks them up. Yes. Okay. So if a transformer is in robot mode, then you have this little gun. Fine. When the transformer turns into a vehicle, they can't hold the gun. They can't hold the gun, but the the gun ports onto the vehicle. So the gun is actually on the vehicle as a gun as well. Okay. Yeah. So the the character is a gun when the car, when the vehicle is a vehicle as well as a robot. So when does the robot ever need to be a person? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. (laughs) And I know that. And then right now, I don't know because. There's a new line of figures that have come out with basically target masters, and I don't know what the point of them are. Yeah, I, I have them as a robot, which they're useless as, and so I usually just have them as a gun the whole time. So I don't really know what the point of the target master <laughs> is. Yeah. As, a, as a toy. As sure. a toy, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense in this story either, which we'll get to in the fourth Oh, issue. they, they yeah. really, really scraped they an idea. They're like... Yeah. Okay, I have these guys turned to guns. What can I do with them? And they they really put in this plot point that made no sense to no. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that when we get to issue four because that is definitely something I that uh, that was uh, <laughs> not very good. Okay, let's start off with issue number one. Of course, let's see. I have to find it first. I had the original large comic of issue one. And I remember I looked at it a lot. I remember the the, the cover. As the cover a kid, is great. I thought it looked cool, and it was really creepy because in the cover you see Fortress Maximus ripping off his head. And when I say ripping off, it's not clean. There's like <laughs> the circuits coming yeah. out of it. Like he looks like he just ripped off his own head. In the cartoon, when they do this, it's a clean removal, not. Right. Not like this. Like he can just detach his head. And it still talks and stuff. But yeah, this cover is drawn by Bob Budiansky. And he doesn't do a whole lot of the covers. But when he does, he does a great job. Like this is a just a fantastic cover with the planes shooting behind him and the fire and so many great things. This, this issue is called Ring of Hate. And uh, in this one, Fortress Maximus and his team of Autobots, in the midst of the, the war on Cybertron, decide that they're going to leave which i think is like they're deserters so that's not a great thing <laughs> no but they don't want to be in this war because it's been going on for like millennia or whatever <sighs> so they leave 
and they find a planet, a peaceful planet called Nebulos. Now, one thing to note is that every single character in this comic is new. Yeah. There is no characters from the main comic in this for a lot of it. And it also uses this as an excuse to introduce Transformers that were originally introduced in Transformers the movie. So we've got Hot Rod, Cup, and Blur finally making their appearance in the main storyline. And not doing much. Like they barely show they barely do anything. They're just side characters. Yeah. The real stars of the show are what will soon be the headmasters. Yeah, so we are introduced to this whole world of Nebulos and they are they're a peaceful planet, like we said before. They haven't had war in ten thousand years. And then these robots come and one person accidentally falls and gets injured. And that sets off this huge string of inquiries about what what are the Transformers there for? Um, are they going to harm us? And this one guy, Lord uh, Zarek, is not... He does not like the Transformers at all. So he pulls a couple of strings to frame the Transformers for, you know, causing this guy's injuries. What are these guys dressed like? Remember that? Remember that? Remember in uh, our local newspaper, there was that one... Sunday comic that was drawn was it Prince Valiant? So that's what comment I was going to make. So this guy Galen is like a combination of Prince Valiant and Flash Gordon. Yes, yes. He's very he's modeled after sort of both. He's got a Flash Gordon type outfit, but he's got Prince Valiant style hair. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. And sort of uh altruistic like but but full of action like both of those characters are as well. So Essentially, Galen and Zarek are both on the council of, uh, and uh, Galen is dating Zarek's daughter. And the robot, the Autobots show up. They just want to live in peace. Like you said, Zarek frames them into making them seem like they're hostile robots that cannot be trusted. But Galen decides to um, give them the benefit of the doubt. So Zarek frames the Autobots which forces Gallon to actually go into uh, their uh, their armory. And, you know, for a peaceful planet, that's a lot of weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like... It's a dude, storehouse. If they've... It, 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 you, do you remember Demolition Man? Yeah. Yep. So I think that was like a 20-year period where there was like peace and no more fighting. And the police force was basically inept. Yeah. They didn't know what to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if this planet has not had war in that long, it's amazing how all of a sudden their army gets all these weapons and knows exactly how to lay siege on the Autobots. That was one of the comments I was going to make too. And uh, so when the humans become part of, or when the Nebulans become part of the Headmasters, all of a sudden the these Transformers who have been fighting wars for centuries are now all of a sudden 10 times better because they have the inexperience of these Nebulans who haven't been fighting wars for generations. It didn't make sense to me that... Uh, I also... Yeah. I, I, the, for them to suddenly jump to war so yeah. quickly? Well, yeah. And like, they like... How, could, how does this planet stay that peaceful for that long if they're so quick to jump to, <laughs> like, armed conflict? Well, and same with all of the residents. Like, they're starting... Um, they're starting riots and like yeah. it, it's like, like 
like if a, if a planet is peaceful for that long, you expect to be like pacifists. Yes, and... let's like work through this, or we're not going to like. More than likely, they would be susceptible to hostile takeover. Yes, and so they would probably do whatever these Autobots said because they don't really know what else to do. They but they erect this huge wall around the city in like a matter of days <laughs> with heavy fortified uh, guns on the top of them. It's amazing. But anyway, that's there are definitely as is the norm for Transformers, this is there are a lot of uh, big leaps that you have to take in order to enjoy I mean, the I story. I suppose if we were to be super realistic, it would kill a lot of the storylines, wouldn't it? Yes. I mean, there absolutely. is a point to this. They show up at a planet, it's peaceful, the, the inhabitants don't trust them. So in order to gain their trust at the end of the issue, uh the Autobots, they show up and Rip off their they heads. rip off their heads <laughs> as a sign of peace. I know that's what I would do. <laughs> Just five of them, though. They could have Just you five know baked an apple pie or something. Yeah, but it's like, look, look, we we don't mean you any harm. Here are our heads. So uh, the the thing about that is when they take off their heads, their bodies are no longer active. Yes, I guess they can't. They can, the bodies won't do anything. But oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, this is important for later. The five Autobots rip off their heads, and the other Autobots, like Cop, Hot Rod, etc., they throw down their weapons and give all their weapons to yes. the Nebulans. So, yeah, they no longer have weapons, so eventually they're going to have to have new weapons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving on to the next issue, second issue. So it starts off with an angry mob. Burning effigies of the Transformers. I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> Ruin the robots. This is like X-Men level like hatred. Yeah. No more mutants. Except it says... No more robots. Ruin, the, Ruin robots. the robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say no to them. <laughs> Another sign. But I will say, though, I really like Frank Springer's artwork. Now, Frank Springer was the original artist on Transformers. And just in the time between those early issues of transformers and this like i like it a lot better um it may be um ian and brian garvey yeah those were some of the inkers i think he worked with on transformers as well but i just like maybe maybe it's the fact that there are a whole lot more humans he's really good at these humans but the robots also look really nice like they have a lot of good detail um he doesn't skimp on them when they're like smaller and that kind of stuff but uh, yeah, so there's there's some really neat things here. So in this issue, there's definitely a civil war happening between the the two factions of these Nebulans now. There's the the people who want to work with the Autobots, and there's the people who don't want to work with the Autobots. The people who do want to work with the Autobots, th this is the weird thing. Uh, the Decepticons show up because they've got a message from Lord Zarek. Once again, they're supposed to be a peaceful planet. Yeah. These robots show up. They offer peace. They don't seem to be doing anything. So Zarek, who I, I do believe he has, he's written to be a character who does have the the best interest of his people at heart. I, I genuinely believe that. I don't think he's some megalomaniac who wants to take over. Right. Do you? Do you get that? No, I don't think so. I think he wants what's best. But, you know, he's older. He's supposed to be wiser. His plan is to get the enemies of the robots who are here 
to deal with them? Well, I don't know that he was trying to get the enemies exactly. He was just trying to get their own people to come and get them and take them away. Is that what it was? I don't think he was purposely reaching out to the Decepticons, was he? Yeah, because in, in the message he says, Cybertron, this is Lord Zarek of Nebulos, something, something, your help in ridding us of a marauding band of your people led by Fortress Maximus. So the message just went out to Cybertron okay, so in he general. Wasn't just, he wasn't, okay, so he wasn't specifically looking for their enemies. It happened to be the Decepticons that brought it. The funny, the thing that doesn't make sense to me here is that Galen says the, the Decepticons are here we need the Autobots' help. But, oh gosh, I made a promise to my people that I wouldn't put the head back on the robot. So, we're stuck. We don't have anything to do. We can't We can't defend ourselves. And all of their weapons are gone and, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and then this one guy, this wizard or whatever he is, <laughs> comes out of nowhere and says, Wait, Oh, I have, a, I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. I just like... like <laughs> I am going to replace your body parts with robot body parts so that you can combine into a new head and then you can control the robot so you won't be breaking the promise of the people. So he says, I need some volunteers. It's actually like a genetic thing. They, yeah. It's not just a suit. In these comics, they are like... They're, their body parts they're are cyb- replaced. They're cyborgs. Limb from limb. It's they're, They are now Robocop. And the funniest part is uh, I need some volunteers. And so these guys who we've already met volunteer. And then this guy out of nowhere, Stylor, he says, he just walks in the room. We, we've never seen him before. He says, I heard Nebulos is in need of new heroes. Count Stylor in. And then this guy says, he's a society dandy, not a warrior. <laughs> <laughs> and so he becomes one of the guys here. And then, of course, Galen says he's going to volunteer as well. Yeah, and they undergo this process, and on page 140, this is one of those things that stuck with me as a child. I would stare at the, the first three panels of page like for a long time, because it actually shows the five uh, Nebulans transforming from their quote-unquote robot mode into the heads yeah. of, the, uh, of the Autobot bodies. Now... This is a a bit weird for me, okay? So I'm used to the television show Continuity. And I read this as a kid, but it seems that when they removed the heads from the Autobots, the heads are still there in the room. Yeah. The Nebulans turn into a different set of heads. Right. The original heads are still in the room. And the original heads still can control the body. Or at least talk to them or talk communicate to the or some something. Sort, like some, something. So the nebulas have just become replacement heads. So the original Autobots consciousness are still in the room. I think they control the bodies a bit, don't they? I think they do too. Yeah, actually, because they, especially Scorponok later on, says that he feels so much more powerful now that there is this nebulan inside of him. Yeah, whatever. It, it's confusing. So there's, there's basically the long story short. There's two sets of heads. The original heads are in the room, never to be used again. And then there's the new heads, which are the Nebulans. Um, and now uh, with the Nebulans, and by the way, the reason why they're doing this is because the robots are now under Nebulan control. So it's okay for them to be going. Yeah. Uh, no promises fight. have been broken. This is this is all done as a political thing. Yeah, <laughs> to make to make the Nebulans okay with robots fighting in in their in their uh, for them. 
And so the the Nebulon-controlled Autobots come and just basically wreck the Decepticons because for some reason, with the Nebulon's help, they're way better fighters. Right. Okay, so Galen is Fortress Maximus. Gort is Highbrow. Arcana is Brainstorm. Stylor is Chrome Dome. And Duros is Hardhead. And those names don't mean anything because the only person you really need to know is Fortress Maximus. Every other of these headmasters is not really important. Sure it is, Curtis, if you're buying the toys. Come on, man. <laughs> How many times are you got to talk about this? So the, the notes, the editorial notes go say over and over again how much of a hard time Frank Springer had drawing these four issues because he was thrown like over 50 new characters. And of course, each of these characters has a robot mode and a vehicle mode. And in some cases, um, they just look completely different here and there. And there's like, there are so many subsets of characters that we're going to meet in in this story so in this issue we also meet the terracons yes it's another subgroup it's another combiner group fortress maximus because this is the first time we see him he was the granddaddy the ultimate transformer yeah Uh, at the time when fortress maximus came out he was the largest transformer and he was a headmaster and not just any headmaster he was a double headmaster i think he was the only double headmaster so galen turns into the head of another robot named cerebros and then cerebros turns into the head of fortress maximus that's one of the reasons why fortress maximus is so big is because he's actually two headmasters in one and they don't mention that at all in this comic and they draw fortress maximus to scale with the other Transformers. So he's not actually any bigger. He's the same size, even though he's he's actually supposed to be way, way, way bigger than them. And on page 141, you can see that that was an issue. Um, they made... Oh, sorry, on page 140 as well, Galen turns into Cerebros's head, not Fortress Maximus's head. Oh, okay. But they draw Fortress Maximus with Cerebros's head. I guess they didn't want to deal with the double headmaster thing at this <laughs> point. Which they do fix, by the way, later on um, when when the headmasters show up in the main continuity. Oh, okay. They make they rebuild Fortress Maximus, even though he looks exactly the same. <laughs> but they mention that he's way bigger. Okay, nice. <laughs> Just to, to reconcile the differences with the toys. Yeah. That's so funny. You know, it's funny. Uh, it, so <laughs> they're basically, they're Robocops now. Yeah. I love how, I, I guess it was a dire situation, but it really seemed kind of a, all of a sudden, let's do this, you know, really intrusive surgery on us at the last second. And experimental, never been done before. Right. And then at the end of the issue, Galen's, uh, uh, yeah, is it Lyra? Yeah, Lyra, Zarek's daughter, who's Galen's uh, significant other, just shows up. He's like, yeah, I had to do it. Don't worry, it'll be fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> like... I mean, I, I mean, I, I won't I be able like, to sleep with you ever. I, I, but you know. I, I, I guess it, as a kid, you don't think about that. But now I'm looking at this. I'm like, Jesus, man! Like, what are you do? Like, that was a pretty, you know, serious life decision yeah. to make, and you didn't consult with. I her. won't be able to hold you in my warm embrace anymore, but it'll be okay. I don't know if it's a suit. Is it a suit? No, it's not. They make. They, I know. I know. It's like they specifically say because in the in the cartoon it was a suit. It was like an exosuit, basically. Joints are replaced. Oh, bones gosh. are enforced. Okay. Armor plates are attached. Buddy, you just ruined that one. <laughs> oh, man. 
Didn't even check with her. He's in the doghouse for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. Issue number three, Love and Steel. We meet uh, some more... Uh, some more robots. This is, let me see here, Ape Face, Cutthroat, Snapdragon, Ripper Snapper, Hunger, and Sinner Twin, and Blot. These are these are the Terracons. And, oh, not all of them. So Ape Face and Snapdragon are Horrorcons. And then the other five are Terracons. Ugh, man. Yeah, I, I didn't... It was... I know who these characters are. So... It wasn't until I read the editorial notes and I went back and I realized this is the first time all of these Transformers have ever shown up. Yeah. So I f- really feel bad for the guy who had to draw this. <laughs> yeah. Because this is all new. The, and, and the Technobots show up for the first time too. Right. Yeah. Afterburner, Nose Cone, Strafe, Lightspeed, and Scattershot. And so we have a big battle because, um, of course, the Technobots are combiners and the Terracons are combiners. So we get Abominus... Versus Computron. Computron. <laughs> <laughs> I, s- I swear, you can't get two issues without having um, combiner a giant combiner robot battle. There's not much to this issue. There, this one was really a, a transitional issue between issue two and four. Um, this issue just sets up a whole lot. Lord Zarek uses Lyra to lure the headmasters into a trap. And it's also revealed that now the Decepticons are headmasters as well, led by Scorponok. And Zarek. And Zarek. Zarek is Scorponok's head. Yeah. But there's a lot of fighting in this one. Well, do you have anything to say about 3U? Because I can just easily go right on to the It's just one. a battle. Um, and the, the Decepticons, with their newfound uh, headmaster power, they, they destroy the Autobot headmasters. And Zarek wins. Yeah. Oh, one thing I do want to mention, I always like put it, pulling out the, uh, or pointing out the bad layouts. So if you go to page 161, or sorry, 160, in the very bottom panels, Galen's explaining his, uh, his attack plan, and everyone's saying, you know, I'll go with you, I'll go with you, he says, if you insist. And then Lyra says, and I will too. And then Galen says, no, Lyra, I can't allow that. And, and he's standing to the right of Lyra. And then you look in the next panel up here, and he's standing on her right as well. But in the very next panel, he's standing on her left all of a sudden. It's um, it's a bad choice, a bad camera angle because you don't see Galen like walk around to the other side of Lyra. All of a sudden, he's just on one side, and then he's on the next. He, he walked behind her. Well, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> he did between the panels, but. You should have, uh, like, it's just like a jump cut. It's a bad film editing decision to do something like that. <laughs> you know, I just like pointing out those kind of things. <laughs> okay, four. Bring us to issue number four here. Okay. Oh, you know, when I read this, I, I it, it just goes to show that you. it doesn't matter if you are the good guys. The Autobots, whatever they touch, dies. <laughs> whatever they do turns to poison and there was this part where the autobots are warned i think that the nursery is going to be attacked by the decepticons yeah so the autobots show up to defend the nursery and then the decepticons show up and then they have this huge fight 
And then in the end, the nursery is destroyed. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> Poor nursery. Yeah. And can you tell me what the strategic significance of the nursery was again? I think it was like a food source or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was a food source for all the people. Like no matter what they do, they just wreck everything. Like this is kind of like, okay, you have children. This is like when your kids are fighting and it doesn't matter who started it. Yeah. Like the house gets wrecked. <laughs> you just get angry. Yeah. Like That's I right. don't care whose fault it is. I don't care what, you know, reason you had. You both did this. I also wonder how they get their energy because in the early Transformers issues when the when the when Optimus Prime and company come to Earth, they make a big deal about how to make a new fuel source for them. And like they have to make it out of the primitive fossil fuels or whatever, and send it through this device that that uh, purifies it or trans or whatever um, refines it so that it can be used for for Autobot or Transformer use. But these guys come to this planet, and they have no fuel source. Um, they're it's just something they don't talk about at all. From from a logistical standpoint, we're gonna say that if they had to worry about the fuel thing, then we just have a retread of the original series. I guess so. Yeah. Right. That said, uh, the <laughs> did you ever, ever watch The Simpsons? Did you? Oh yeah. Uh, did you ever? Uh, there was this one where there's like I think it's like a, a nerd panel, and they're asking uh, Lucy Lawless about uh, like they were asking yeah. her nerd questions about Xena. It's like <laughs> it's like well, remember when this this happened? And then she's like, whenever something like that happens, a wizard did something. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just gonna simply say it could have happened between panels. You never see all yeah. the Transformers at once. They might have <laughs> there might have been a part of them designated to finding fuel, and they just didn't decide to cover that because it'd be boring. That's right. Well, there's a, a <laughs> you know in Animaniacs, there's the uh, there's a little sketch called the Please 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 Get a Life Foundation where they <laughs> they get help for nerds who are extremely uh, too wrapped up in in finding the minute de- details that are overlooked in these shows. <laughs> I'm reading a book right now called Grasshopper Jungle. Yeah, and in the in the in the main character, he 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 keeps journals, and he mentions that no one who keeps a history ever writes everything down. A part of being a historian is only writing down the important things and getting rid of all the junk that no one needs to read about. Otherwise, historical textbooks would be infinitely large. <laughs> right, right. They just yeah. didn't decide to cover in these issues <laughs> the fuel searching thing. Okay, okay, okay I right, got it. All right, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, so in this issue, the headmasters are captured. They were captured at the last, in the end of the, or just the heads. The bodies, they didn't care about. They just got the heads. They're captured by the, the bad guys. And so a new group of Nebulans show up. They've already undergone this new experimental procedure. Because the remaining Autobots, they want to help, but they have, but they no, have weapons no weapons. Because they gave the weapons to the Nebulans. What are they going to do, Curtis? They're going to turn into weapons. <laughs> yeah, the new Nebulas show up. Instead of turning into heads, because these Autobots still have their heads, they will turn it into their weapons. So if, and if they become they target have, masters. If they have the, the, the pieces in order to construct themselves into weapons... Why didn't they just make why, weapons? Why didn't they just make weapons? Okay, now here, here's the thing. In the lore, yeah. the target masters assist the Autobots and yeah. oh, sorry, the Transformers in general, because they're able to help them target better. Okay. Sure. Like shoot better. <laughs> yeah. 
Because they have eyes of their own or something? I don't know, man. (laughs) It it increases their accuracy somehow. Okay, perfect. (laughs) You're right. They should have just made guns. The other thing is that um, I tried to, because I was writing down, you know, which nebulon goes is paired with which robot D- don't even bother they for the yeah for these target masters they don't say at all i think you get to know the peacemaker and point blank are together and pinpoint i don't know i had to go into the um the the whatever the character bios in volume eight to find out this information and a lot of them like with hot rod cup and blur their profiles are movie based they're not comic based, so they they're not headmasters in the profiles. So, yeah, interesting. Are so are those Hot Rod Cup and Blur? Are they headmasters toys? No, they're not. They were target masters. They were originally or, just, tar- or target masters. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. They they were just they were just regular transformers. So when they were released, they were released twice. They were released once as just regular robots, and then at a certain Again, point, they repackaged them with, with a little tiny gun little person. tiny guys. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I think I think the bodies were also slightly remolded so that they could attach the target masters to their bodies when they were in vehicle form. Oh, okay. Which once again proves my point that I don't know what the point of the target masters were because you just have them as a gun when the Autobot or Decepticon was in robot or vehicle mode. Right. There was never a reason for them to be in Nebulon mode. Okay, so here's the other thing. Um, at the very end of this issue, the Autobots get intercept a message from Optimus Prime. It's the message that we got to see in uh, in Volume 2. It's the same message, letting us know that they are on, on Earth. And so the Autobots just up and leave this poor, poor planet that has just they been showed completely... Up, <laughs> they wrecked it. They, they ruined left. their society. They introduced <laughs> war back in there. They, they destroyed all their food sources, and, and then they just leave. They don't do anything. It's like... It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I don't know. If this were written today, we could find some sort of Middle East subtext going on Oh, this is totally yeah. what it is. This is... It's everywhere. But that's that's what it is. So they go to Earth. Galen and the other headmasters, obviously they can't survive in normal Nebulan society new, anymore, so they go with the, 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 with the Transformers, with the Autobots, and they head to Earth. And it says at the very end that this story is going to be continued in in Transformers number 38, which we will get to in volume three, in episode three. But you like this one. I like this one more than G.I. Joe, that's for sure. I I love the concept. The execution was a little hokey. The ending didn't leave me satisfied, but I did like the concept of them coming and completely destroying this this society. Um, like, okay, it's just, I don't like how in this comic, this they set this up as a super peaceful society. Yeah. And they so readily succumb to war. Yeah. To hostile negotiations. And, and it's true. It just, as, if they just said that it was already, like, like Earth, if they just said it was already uh, a militant society, I would have bought it more. Yeah. Right? And so this now brings me to the the, the, the two TV versions of the Headmasters. Okay. okay, so now, first of all, a note about the toys. When these toys came out, when you got a Headmaster, the chest plate, there was a door on the chest plate that was closed, but before you put the Headmaster on, before you put the head onto the body, you could open this door, and there was a tech spec. Okay. 
reader there. So when you attach the head, you see these bars go up. So it would say, oh, intelligence went up this high. Oh, really? And, uh, strength went up this high and That's so cool. on. Right? When you put the head on. Yeah. And I, they don't cover that gimmick at all in this comic. Yeah. Right? But I remember as toys, those specs would actually go up. Cool. It, it, was, it was an analog thing. It, you remember those old flip clocks? Yeah. It's sort of like that. It okay. would just, it would just manually analog raise. Sure. It wasn't electronic or anything like that. And also, you could interchange the heads of the different Transformers. So let's say you got three different Autobots. You could mix and match the heads. Yeah. Now, and would they change the specs? That's the thing. I don't remember if they did, but I suspected that the specs would change depending on which head you put on. Because I'm sure that they have like little pins that push down something maybe a certain amounts so i played with them i don't remember yeah. them being that different yeah, okay. I, I didn't pay attention to it but it yeah. would make sense because each of the autobots had a different character look for example brainstorm is supposed to be smart yeah it would make sense if his headmaster actually increased the intelligence yeah bar yeah right that'd be cool okay so that yeah. was a toy yeah that was a toy and so when the headmasters were introduced in the cartoon there was two different ways they were introduced in the american version the version that we saw it was it was a three-part miniseries that happened after season three. And these were the last three episodes of Transformers Generation One. And it introduced the headmasters and target masters at the same time. The series began by having a demonstration on Cybertron with these new characters, the headmasters, who would become eventually the headmasters. They were showing the benefits of having a human partner alongside a transformer so when the transformer was in vehicle mode if it had a partner sitting in a passenger seat they could shoot stuff while they were driving and actually be assist the robot when it was in vehicle mode okay that makes sense and they were trying to prove that there's a benefit to having a miniature partner in the storyline they end up on nebulos but it's different there's nebulans but they're green they're on this planet and they're all enslaved by something called the hive, which is some kind of giant robotic factory that's deep underground. On the surface, there are these machines that are controlled by the hive that force the Nebulans to be slaves. And so when the Transformers show up on this planet, there is a renegade group of Nebulans who are fighting this machine war. Okay. And they think the Autobots are part of the hive. And so they initially attack them. And then they find out, oh, you're not. You're actually different. Maybe we can join forces and we can help fight this hive thing. And they explain that the hive is another group of beings who live deep underground in this like robotic city who control all the robots. But they have telekinetic powers that allow them to control the machines. And, and their bodies are essentially useless now. Hmm. So that's how they join forces. And so in the cartoon, the Nebulans... The, the, it's sort of the same idea. The Autobots take off their heads and the Nebulans modify the heads so they can climb into the heads and almost like a pilot in a way. So the Autobots are still themselves. They still have their own personalities, but the Nebulans are just inside assisting and controlling the fight or I'm not really sure what it is. See, that's one of the things that bothered me about this comic. And I always wondered how the comic did it. I don't actually know who Scorponok because Scorponok starts off as a Decepticon. He's got his own conscious, yeah. conscious and everything like that. Zarek becomes his head. Now, the comics explains that Scorponok's original head is somewhere else. Right. Right? Sure. Um, it has to be. But then Zarek 
is then Scorponok. Like, who, who, who is Scorponok then? Is he Zarek or is he Scorponok? Right. It never explains. Yeah. And then later on in the comics, it would appear that through the process, their minds become one. Okay. And then one of them becomes dominant. Because later on in the comic, because Scorponok becomes a very major character in the main storyline. Yeah. It's Zarek. Okay. Zarek is basically Scorponok, right? His personality is dominant. Hmm. Whereas... Uh, it could be the other way around sometimes. But anyway, in the in the cartoon, it's very clear that the Autobots are still themselves, but they have a human partner that's just sitting inside their head helping them out. And they're still they're two distinct personalities. Right. Um now this the, the reason why it was a three episode series is because this is when Transformers is about to die. The 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 series was about to end, it was not popular anymore. This was supposed to be a fourth season, but they cut it down to three episodes. In Japan, it was still very popular. So in Japan, they actually did have a fourth season, and they specifically called it the Headmasters. And so they 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 based the show in Japan off the original idea of what the fourth season would have been. There are no Nebulans. What it was was a group of small Transformers who left Cybertron ages ago, ended up on this planet called, what was it, Master or something like that? And... The conditions were very harsh. So what they did was they constructed these giant bodies so they could and they configured their own bodies so they could become the heads of these uh, giant okay. bodies so yeah. they could survive the conditions better. Nice. And Scorponok was originally part and his group were originally these are all one group of Transformers. Yeah. Scorponok was radical <laughs> and eventually took his group away. So in the original Japanese version, there are no nebulas. They're, they're all robots. That sounds way better. Yeah. And they also explain the tech spec thing. Oh, okay. Uh, in, in the Japanese version. Because when you combine to the body, the large body, you can see how their, their stats went up. Right. When they combined. Did you like that the best? Um, I I watched it just because, but that was like way later. So as a kid, I just, I just remember the, uh, the the American version. Yeah. So it was called the Rebirth, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess technically the Japanese version is is probably the it makes the most sense out of the three because this one I really felt they were reaching with the Target Masters and everything like that. <laughs> they sure were. Wow. Well, there we go. Two episodes or two mini series under our belt there, and. Uh... Boy, that was uh, that was quite something. <laughs> I don't usually. I find that I don't usually make fun of comics on this podcast as much as I did in this one episode. No, but they. they I. I mean, I feel for the writers because I know they have a job to do, right? So I mean, it's not bad considering they had they were given a product and they had to figure out how to work around it. Or they were given fifty products <laughs> and they had to fit them all in. I mean, and that, that was a really short time frame too. I mean, I mean, I, I guess they did that with. I mean, that, that isn't that the story of these toys to begin with? It yes. Was, oh, it's how it started. It was just a bunch of toys, and they had to figure out how to make a story out of it. Yeah. Well, Hasbro hired Marvel to make a comic on these toys. Now, though, with characters like, um, I don't know, Ape Face and Snapdragon, is it really going to help the sales of the toys? when they appear in only two panels of a comic book? Like, what's the point? Well, I know that if I had those guys, I'd be excited they were in those two panels. Sure, yes. <laughs> I but guess when, so. But I, that's if I already had if, them. But if you already had them, yeah. If yeah, I only yeah. saw them in two panels, I don't think that's going to maybe go buy them. No, I don't think so. No. 
not unless there's a giant splash like that one splash of abominus uh very cool that was good and then you'll want to buy all five of them or all six of them but now the lore it, it's taken on its own i mean okay kurt i know the viewers can't see this right now look at this guy yeah so tell the viewers what we're looking at here okay so transformers ever since the michael bay movies came out and there's been this huge resurgence in the popular transformers they have been consistently coming out with new lines of toys and the engineering is amazing. And so <laughs> I was showing Curtis this last weekend. Um, there's a new line out called the Siege line and it's based on the original G1 Transformers and they look a, like cartoon accurate. Yeah, they're very, very right? nice. Right, and they're super poseable and I've just been playing with this guy. Ever since we started doing this podcast, I mean, like, I know that I bought the eight books of the IDW reprints so it's always been in the back of my mind. I have wanted to go <laughs> buy these toys because we keep talking about them. Like, oh yeah, I forgot how cool they are. And so, yeah, I have this Optimus Prime that looks amazing. It looks really good. Like, like, I think the Optimus, the original Optimus Prime is the only Transformer that I still have. And boy, oh boy, looking at this guy, it's like, this one looks, it's so much more postable. The detail in the in the mold is just amazing. It's it's just plastic, and I just can't get over the engineering. I mean, look at this. I mean, I could the articulation. Yeah, I, it's so good. I, I just remember like we had Ninja Turtles and 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 Ghostbusters, and they had like what four, they one, have, two, yeah, three, four, five points of articulation. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was it. Exactly. You can't really do much with them, yeah, right? Something like this probably has I don't know over twenty. Yeah, it's crazy. Points. And so, anyway, I was staring at this for the last couple of days. And so, we've, I've had him on here the time I'm doing this podcast. I'm like, man, I love Transformers. <laughs> well, sorry for getting you back into the game here. <laughs> oh, man. The, the, there, it, the internet has certainly changed things. Like, I'm on, I'm on forums where there's other yeah. nerds. There's specialty stores dedicated only to transforming robots. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. And nerds can find each other and just talk about this stuff and geek out. And no one judges because we're all in our little <laughs> own communities. Unless you're a GoBots fan. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think... You know, now... I won't do it right now, but I'm going to see if there's a GoBots sub-community. Okay. And I want to see how much, like... How much flame <laughs> they get. <laughs> how, much, how much they get flamed. But... Uh, yeah, no, the, the Headmasters miniseries, it was what it was. Not, not yep. the best, but it was okay, right? I mean, it introduced lots of characters. And and Scorponok, he is actually an amazing character. Uh, rough right now, they just introduced him, but he becomes a major player on. And because of that Nebulon in him, he is the most reasonable, and you will actually really love him. Cool. He might be your favorite character nice. later on. okay. Well, I'm glad we read it. I mean, if we had just followed the the way IDW had published these books and moved right on to volume three, then I would have I would have been totally lost with the headmasters when they when they come in at issue thirty eight. So I'm I'm very glad that we took this little detour to do these two miniseries. It was well worth it. No, it was good. It was good, and I finally it forced me to actually read the GI Joe because I <laughs> I actually avoided that one for a well, long time. Well, just think. There are Transformers comics that you 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 get to experience for the first time. Yeah, no, that, that's actually what it was. It felt like that, you know. And Transformers. Here's the other thing too. Like you said that 
you didn't know that the comics were a different continuity for the TV show. Right. Okay, so there are some shows, for example, okay, uh, my favorite is Macross. I love Macross. Yeah. In the, in, the, in the lore of Macross, there is essentially only one main continuity. Uh, there is one series that's an exception to that rule, but basically every single series of Macross, and it's been going on for like, you know, 30 years. Yeah. Every series is a part of that timeline. So everything connects, right? Which is good and bad. It's bad because you get convoluted and you, you, you get limited in what stories you can tell. Right, because the future's already predetermined. I mean, that, that's yeah. what happened to Marvel, right? Marvel's yeah. been around for so long. That's why they did the Ultimate series. Right. Right, so they rebooted it because you can start fresh and not worry about, oh, you can't do this because 25 years ago in this issue, right. <laughs> this yeah, already yeah. happened, right? Um, then there's other series like Gundam, which, uh, if you don't know, Gundam doesn't have one continuity. It, from the get-go, there are different timelines. Yeah, which is great. I love that. Right, and so you can you can you can pick a timeline, and you can have a series going that. But with Transformers, it's sort of that second route where there are so many continuities now. There's video game continuities. There's there's like different television shows, which, depending on which one you follow. Comics, they all have a general idea that sort of connects, but they are not. There, there's no canon. There's, it's, it's, right. it's, it's kind of unfortunate. They, they tried to do that with, um, w w at least with the cartoons. Like when Beast Wars came out, it was its original, its own timeline. But then they, they retconned it to be part canon. of the, the G1 t timeline. There uh, are different pockets of it, but every time they come out with a new series, it's all turning the canon. They keep retconning. Yeah, which is. But I they know do why, that, yeah. I know why they have to. It just it gets frustrating it's after to, a while. You're like, okay, which one am it to I? A new a new generation and such. But I mean, Batman does the same thing. How many no, cartoons does. does Batman have? That is true. And same with Spider Man. There's so many different Spider Man cartoons. They start all over again, um, every single time. I think it's, I think that's kind of just a necessity. Uh, but on the, on the flip side, you have Star Trek, where each time they introduce a new show, it's a continuation of the larger story. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating though when they do prequels and the tech is more advanced than the You're future. You're talking about Discovery. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But that's, uh, I don't know, one of those things you have to forgive, I guess. We talked about that, didn't we? Didn't we mention, remember, did you ever see Turtles? The Turtles uh, movie where they had all the different continuities in one movie? Um, well, it was just, it was just It was, like, a, it was uh, a special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that one where the old ones meet the new ones. And they had like the black and white original turtles yeah, 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 show yeah, up yeah. and they're yeah. like they're doing interior and they're doing an internal monologue yeah when they're fighting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that was pretty cool I, I yeah yeah i guess you're right we kind of have to right i just i kind of like the idea of having one single continuity yeah but i guess but that's like star wars is like that where there's one single continuity with all of the shows even the cartoons now are all now they are you're not talking about extended universe right? well yeah that's that's a different story but um yeah anyway <laughs> okay we're going on too long let's wrap this episode up next time we are going to talk about volume three of the idw reprints transformers classics uh, and that'll probably be sometime in the summertime we'll get together and talk about that that volume there so <laughs> hope you had fun listening to this episode because um we sure did <laughs> 
it was great. Thanks a lot, Peter. No, thanks. Thanks for having me again, Curtis. This is these are good. This is re- this is helping me relive my childhood. Not a problem. I love that. And makes me want to go buy more Transformers, which makes my wife really happy. By the way, I'm not the only one on the online threads. A lot of the time it's like, guys, should I buy this Transformer? My wife's going to kill me. Yeah. How can I ship it so that it will not... Can I, can I ship it to my work? Can I ship or, it? Yeah, can like, I, do, there are so I, many guys who say, can I, I, I ship it to my work? <laughs> or can I ship it to at a time of day when I know she's not going to be home and I have to rush home from work before she if gets you, home? To- it, does anyone else have this problem with like... It doesn't have to be Transformers. It could be... Oh, no. It's uh, the books that I read. Graphic novels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could be anything. Do you, do you have to hide your shipment from your significant other under threat of death <laughs> or you know just non-speaking or being in the doghouse for a week well my wife uh handles our budget so she knows when i spend money <laughs> i have to like sell some other books in order to get play money to buy other books or whatever if i don't want her to know about it but it's, good thing she never but, listens no, to my this podcast is, this is educational right can't you write this off as a business expense like, i guess so we are educating the masses on the history of transformers <laughs> Okay, signing off. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. (laughs)